Wednesday, everybody. Hey, Weezy. I'm headed in the nick of time. Hey. Good Lord, Deweese. What hey, time you show up? Oh, my God. I looked. I wasn't paying attention, and I thought it was What's like, with what? the hat? Are you dealing cards or something? No, my, my hair is dirty. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Nerd. Oh, well. <laughs> was taking a nap. Yes, she was. No, no I wasn't taking a nap. I was. No, I was no, no. I was outside. Anyway, <laughs> outside, and what's the temperature? It's like um, 96 degrees hmm. and just steamy. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's steamy, steamy here too. <laughs> I need some of that. Um, I need some of that rain from up in Michigan, like Linda's getting. Oh, nice. Yeah. Steve? Not, all of our leaves are falling off the everything. Everything's dead. Now you got a rake. If you would have stayed in Wisconsin, yeah. you wouldn't have to deal with that. I'm not raking. <laughs> let blow it away. <laughs> Wait until some wind. <laughs> Steve, how many hours? How many hours what? Countdown. Big day. I don't know. Saturday? <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. But I Aaron, did get my very, very first in my entire life a Manny petty. Oh, yeah. Fingernails are awesome. Oh, I got wow. my toes painted. Oh, you did, huh? Toes painted. Oh, Lord, you're gonna fall. Oh, the, oh you look at the that. one. Yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend it. I figured you would do pink or something. Yeah, but the white matches my outfit that I'm gonna wear, so I didn't oh, want good. it to clash. Oh, good. That's what good. the unicorn. Mm hmm. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. How's Aaron handling everything up there? Um, <laughs> it's good. Okay. <laughs> Aaron, rain, rain is on her way and posting all. He got his coastal flight in, and you're not supposed to around. say where Aaron, or rain is. Or I know. Aaron, I don't. I don't know where she is, but she's. You're not supposed to say where she's going either. Oh well. Wherever, she's, wherever she's going, <laughs> right? She knows where she, he knows where she's going. She's got some beautiful pictures. She does. Doing, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. So this week we're turning a little loop, and we're going to do general aviation. I got two guys, younger guys that are from the Northwoods of Wisconsin, north of me, and Ben is about a half hour north of me in at Lakeland. Um, airport and Luke is over in Sheboygan, um, kind of over by Sheboygan, the Green Bay. Oh, yeah, you betcha. <laughs> by the Green Bay area. <laughs> so let's bring them in. There's Luke. That was a good you betcha. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like North Dakota. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Hello, hello. <laughs> you guys look so young. You can't be, uh, 
aviators. <laughs> we we are definitely young as far as CFIs go. Typically, yes. What does CFI stand for? Certified flight instructor. Oh man. And both of you are certified flight instructors. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow, that is pretty awesome. How old are you? Uh, I am 21. And I just turned 19. Wow, that is pretty And awesome. I couldn't even drive when I was 21. <laughs> so start, tell us how you got into aviation to begin with. Uh, if you want to go first, Ben, go for it. Yeah, my, uh, my mom's high school friend took me for a seaplane ride when I was like 10 or 12. Um, and I loved it. And he flew me to Oshkosh during the summer. Uh, we went out to eat on the seaplane on the water and uh i never had the money for it i looked up how much it was and i thought no way that's never gonna happen so um a couple of years later i started working a full-time job and i was able to just pay it by the hour and uh then i kind of got hooked on it after i got my private it was going to be a hobby but um i thought it was too fun to just be a hobby so i'm gonna make it a career yeah. so where did, oh hang on where did you do your private your schooling I did my private at uh, Rhinelander with an instructor there. And then okay. uh, I kind of switched off between doing some stuff at Monaco, at Lakeland, and at, uh, at Rhinelander. Okay. Sorry, go for it, Luke. No, no problem at all. Um, so coming out of high school, you always have that daunting uh, idea of what the heck are you supposed to do with the rest of your life. The biggest thing I was looking for as far as a career path goes is I didn't want to work a nine to five. So aviation is one of those handful of careers where, you know, you don't work five days a week. So like a common schedule would be week on, week off, two weeks on, two weeks off, schedules like that. So it gives you a lot of time off to enjoy your actual life, um, in my opinion. So I did a discovery flight down here in Sheboygan. I never did any training here, but I did my discovery flight kind of got hooked they always talk about the aviation bug going around and i think i caught the aviation bug pretty early on so decided i liked it and just kind of committed to that and fell in love with that and where did you go to school luke um so i got my private um up in rhinelander before ben um probably a year before ben then i moved down to florida because i didn't want to go to college you don't need a college degree to do this as a as a professional pilot or even you know at the airline level um but i wanted to get a student loan so there's only a handful of schools you can get a student loan for that's not a college or a university so i did some of my training down in daytona beach florida at a school down there um and then i moved back up to rhinelander that's where or eagle river where my mom lives so that's where me and ben met um so as a CFI, you're practicing teaching. So I got assigned to Ben from the instructor up there to help him on the commercial maneuvers. And then Ben ended up getting his CFI before me. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of school, have you, have you guys taught at all? Um, yeah, so I have about close to 200 hours of dual given it's called or as flight instructor so i got about 200 hours now that's just about three months in okay outside what do you mean by outside of school have we instructed i'm not sure what you mean so like getting outside of school and just instructing by yourself rather than like guided right yeah yeah of. yeah since i got my flight instructor license i haven't been really guided by anybody once you kind of past your check ride you already have developed lesson plans and things like that so all of my flight instruction has been um kind of on my own and, and using my own lesson plans okay and ben eric wants to know um was your instructor tamburino yeah mike was one of my instructors yep mike tamburino okay so so you all have your own t uh, students now yeah, I have yep. about 20 students. Um, some are flying almost every day. Some are kind of that, what our old instructor used to refer to as the 15-year program. They've been slowly working at it. You know, some people just run out of funds. Something comes up, you know, in their life where they just can't have that commitment to it. So some people are flying all the time. Some people are flying once or twice a month. 
Yeah. It just depends. Do you, do you have either one of you have any um, intentions of going like to a higher level of in training? Yeah. Right now, um, as of, since I got my private pilot license with the pilot shortage, I'm a cadet for PSA, which is a regional airline. So they are taking cadets on so they can kind of predict the number of pilots they're going to have, you know, coming up. So they kind of, you talk back and forth. They offer some tuition reimbursement is how they call it or bonuses. Um, so I've been a cadet with them now for about a year. So that is my plan right now. The airlines, if you get in at a young age, is kind of too good to compete with as far as pay and what your schedule could eventually be with that seniority. Yeah. The company for a long time. Yeah. So you're currently enrolled in that? Uh, yes. Yep. And Ben, what about you? Are you building for commercial? Yeah, um, I'm not sure if Luke mentioned what he's what his plan is for his future, but um, I'm not really planning on going to the airlines. I'd like to stay around and uh, continue to instruct, hopefully own a couple airplanes someday and build a decent sized flight school in the Northwoods um, and then fly for a charter company or a part 91 type thing, private owner. Oh, cool. What do you have to do? What do you have to do for that? Just build hours? Yeah, just get time and then uh, kind of word of mouth, meet people and network a lot. Uh, meet people and show them the skill that you offer and, and see if they want you to be a pilot or for that for their company. Yeah. Bill H says, I bet they don't break props like us. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. Bet not. <laughs> Sorry, I bet not. Sorry, I pretty fast if you're breaking those. I hope they're not breaking props anyway. <laughs> yeah. Luke, what, what were you saying? I got a story for that. When I was down in Florida, there was a, the school maybe had 250 students, something like that. So you hear of something going on here and there. Um, one person prop striked the airplane. So what that means is the propeller hit the ground, which is quite an impressive task obviously not supposed to happen but stuff like that it, it can happen but yeah not not too often so these guys were asking in the pre-show about paramotors but you guys know about a far 103 at all uh just a little bit not a ton yeah not okay. too studied up on on part 103 that's for sure we're more so part part 91 Okay. Or part 61 and 91. Yep. But, yeah, as far as your question goes back to building hours, kind of how you get those jobs, like Ben said, that private side of things, it's a lot of networking, who you know. Um, but another big thing to it is the amount of hours you have. So to be an airline transport pilot is another certificate you have to get, which depending how you do your schooling for me, it's, I have to be 23 and a 1500 hours to get your airline transport pilot license. So me and Ben are, have the same thing there. If you go to a four year school, you can be 21 and have it be a thousand hours. If you go to a four year program, get a degree with it. Mm -hmm. um, but to get into the private side of things, like Ben was saying, you don't need that 1500 hours. You don't need an airline transport pilot license, but typically insurance will require a lot of hours. So that's kind of where you get hung up on that hour requirements. Um, Cause insurance for multi-million dollar airplanes is quite high and they have their own standards to, you know, what type of qualified pilot they want in that airplane. So, yeah. I thought I read something recently. They had a hard yeah, time getting and commercial pilots getting people to take captain positions. I forget if it's because of pay or schedule or something that's not conducive anymore, but. Yeah, sometimes. Um, yeah, sure. As far as the airlines go, sometimes there's it's a lot of talk about seniority. So the longer you're with the company, the better schedule you get. So you bid your trips, meaning you, you say you vote saying, hey, I want this trip. You know, starting out, you don't really have much say on what trips you're taking or when you're working. You're kind of just volunteering. Um, but you work your your seniority up as a first officer. If you were to upgrade to captain your seniority, you're now you're bidding as a captain. So you, you're back to that bottom of the seniority. So sometimes people stay as a first officer just because they have a good seniority. Okay. If you're an older person, right? If you're 60, you're forced to retire at 65. Well, maybe upgrading to captain, even with 
you know, that extra pay, maybe it's not worth it to you because you like your schedule. Okay, that makes sense. So Travis wants to know, do either one of you guys um, have any interest in flying paramotors? I would love to, um, but I feel like that's a pretty small, small community. Not a lot of people hanging out at the airport, you know, are at least from my, um, what I see, it's, it's not a lot of paramotor stuff. So it does seem like a pretty small community. So I just really don't know any people in the community, but I would love to. And Ben, oh, sorry, Deweese, go ahead. I was just going to ask Ben, have you um, considered flying a paramotor? Yeah, I would actually love to. I think I, I think I wanted to do that before I got my private, either that or helicopters. Um, and yeah, I would love to fly a paramotor. They kind of they do kind of freak me out a little bit. Surprisingly, I'm pretty scared of heights. But um, and the paramotor, you're not strapped in a tin can like you are in an airplane. So. So. Yeah. For I me, have... like I'm afraid of heights as well. Like if I'm standing on a scissor lift and stuff, my knees buckle. Uh, but whenever I'm flying the paramotor, you're so encased in your harness and whatnot that it's actually pretty comfortable. Most okay. people just most people will get spooked when you get into sort of turbulence because then you're kind a, of bouncing. I think that's a lot. A, a lot of paramotor pilots are like that. Or they're a little afraid of heights, but once you get in the paramotor and you go, it's it's okay. It is can difficult. Have, oh, go ahead. Is like if you get into bad turbulence, can one of the wings like? fold up and then yeah i don't know how a paramotor works if you kind of stall or if you get in the bad turbulence you can take little collapses on your wing but the way they're designed they reinflate before you even notice it happens that's what makes them safe is because you're not going to just stall and go into a spin and do all this like if you're if you get hit by some weird gust front and that's why we monitor our weather apps all the time we only pick the best days to fly but say you were in horrible conditions or maybe rotor off of a mountain if that bunches up it's it's made to reinflate immediately and then for whatever reason if you ended up getting into a twist or whatnot you do have a backup parachute eric says if you come to tomahawk wisconsin they can teach you about they can teach you to fly paramotor yeah i might have to take him up on that offer uh -huh. yeah i mean do they have like rentals or do we have to buy our own oh he's got them there you can probably try them if out if you go train most trainers it, within their price it's their equipment and they give you 25 flights and then you get your rating mm -hmm. and he can show, show he's an instructor he can show you what they're all about there but finding local communities is difficult most airports you won't see us at what you'll because we're like you might have like eighty thousand skydivers in the country while the number of us actively flying might be like what five, 6,000 people. So we're like a much rarer breed, even compared to like maybe people who paraglide. So they're really just pockets. So like, a, I came from Omaha, Nebraska, we had an ultralight field. When I would go there, there'd be 10, 15 guys, but that was really rare to have that sort of grouping. So we can be kind of hard to find like super close by. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to check with Eric. He's got a really nice setup there. So what kind of uh, planes are you guys flying? So the the club I work for, so me and both Ben technically are, own our own company. Um, so I'm contracted into the Sheboygan Flying Club, which as of recently is the biggest flying club in, in the Midwest. You got about 150 people part of the club. Not all 150 are flying actively, but... We got six airplanes now. We have a Citabria, which is a tailwheel airplane, a Piper Warrior, a Piper Archer, Piper Arrow, Cherokee 180, and we just bought a 172. Nice. And and we have uh, two Cessna 172s. We have a uh, 172E and a 172L model. Which one do you like flying? Uh, honestly, I probably like the E, which is the older one. That one's a 1964. Um, it's got manual flaps, which is fun. And the 172L is nice, but it's got fancy avionics and stuff. So sometimes after you fly fancy airplanes, it's nice to go back to basics and kind of have fun with it. Hmm. How do you feel about tail draggers? Ben, I, think ben. They're, yeah. I think they're pretty fun. They're a little squirrely, but... Um, I just did a flight review on one, 
And uh, yeah, it's, I mean, if you keep them going straight, they're okay. But uh, if they start going one way or another and you don't fix it right away, they get a little squirrely. That's what I've kind of heard. Yeah, so that's a separate endorsement you need from an instructor is a tailwheel. So you can't just get a private pilot license and hop in a tailwheel airplane. Um, so Ben has his tailwheel endorsement. I don't. That's why I was going to say, Ben, go ahead and answer that question. I don't have any experience in a, in a tail dragger. I think that. Uh, oh, go ahead. I think that it's probably probably the most fun type of flying once you get used once you get uh, comfortable with it. I'm still not extremely comfortable with it to be honest. I don't think I'd take a tailwheel up airplane uh, if I just bought a Cub. I don't think I'd take it up without uh, flying with somebody who flies them a lot first because it's just a, a different type of flying. And but I think it's a lot of fun. You can go into places that you can't with most tri tricycle gear airplanes and. Uh, and it's just it's just cool. It's a very classic way to fly. What about stull aircraft and bush planes? Have you ever had an interest in in that type? Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of those bush airplanes, um, a lot of tailwheel airplanes in, in in general is a is a smaller community in aviation, especially that stull or bush type airplanes. Um, most tail draggers, though, do have that stole performance, which is short takeoff and landing as POLs, what that, that stands for. for but uh, like Ben was saying, you can go to more places. You can go to grass strips because they got usually push tires on it, tires and suspension meant for, you know, rougher terrain. Um, but most tail draggers, they are just in general lighter, usually two-seaters, not four-seaters. Um, and they typically, tail draggers have little things on them like vortex generators, things like that, that help you fly slower. Um, so a lot of those tail draggers do have that stall performance. You can definitely build out an airplane. Like Oshkosh has the stall takeoff landing competition by no means. Some of those are not exactly your daily flyer. You know, they're built out just for that, but yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that stuff is super cool. I love watching the stall competitions, and I've been I've missed it at the EAA every time I've went. But um, hopefully, I'll make it next time I go. I think I mean sometimes Luke and I have taken 172s up and just practiced that kind of short field takeoff and landing stuff. It's nowhere near the performance of a Cub, but it's pretty impressive what you can do. We can take off in on a pretty decent day, 700 feet and land in, or maybe 800 and land in three or 400 feet. If you're really good on the approach speed, the flaps and the brakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of technique when it comes to that. There's certain, there's a certain technique you do if you're on grass or the soft field takeoff or you're on a short runway, do a short field takeoff, different, little bit different technique compared to just your normal takeoff and landing. Um, yeah. So that, that becomes a little bit more of a skill to, to keep practicing if you want to use those and, and yeah you can take if it's decent grass you can take almost any general aviation airplane onto a grass strip but does it have the capability not to necessarily land but to take off is, is typically the question there yeah Bill, getting into the strip isn't usually the issue it's getting out of it right bill h wants to know if you can put a paramotor in any of those airplanes if it, uh, yeah, we could. I think we could fit a paramotor in the 172. Yeah, I think so too. I think. Yeah, well, I don't know about the whole trike situation. Um, I don't know if those fold up yeah. or anything like that because you can't. You can't put seats down in most of these airplanes, but the baggage areas are pretty big. But usually, there's a weight limit to it, which is roughly 120 pounds in most. Some of the trikes come apart. They come okay. separate, yeah, I would, separate from the paramotor part. I would definitely say you could. Yeah. And then Bill H. also wants to know, can you tell us a little bit about comms, air bands, and ADSBs? Go for it, Ben. Take one of those. I'll take Is that a question for me? I guess Either one of you. Was that a Sorry, question for me? My, my internet seems to be lagging behind us a little bit here. Yeah, I can, I can handle that. So as far as communications go, that becomes a big thing when you get into an instrument rating. So when you get a private pilot license, in simple terms, an instrument rating allows you to fly in the clouds. So you do a lot more radios when it comes to instrument because you're talking with air traffic control then. Um, there's two types of airports. There's um, 
know, controlled airports or uncontrolled airports. So we both instruct out of uncontrolled airports. So there's proper procedures for uncontrolled airports as far as things like joining a pattern is how you set yourself up to land. So there's procedures to come into land. Um, so you're just making what they call position reports. So letting people know where you are, what you're doing. Um, and if everyone's using the proper procedure, usually it's a smooth process, but you get people who haven't flown in a while, get nervous in the airplane and start doing weird things. So you gotta be heads up versus if you go to like a controlled airport, you have tower saying, you know, the joke is you're a parrot in a puppet. You just say back what they told you to do and then you do it, right? So you just repeat back what they told you to do and then you do it, parrot in a puppet. So it's for a lot of people, it's easier to fly into a controlled airport when you get used to the radios because there's less thinking involved or troubleshooting, if you want to call it that, because you're just doing what ATC tells you to do and they're the ones looking out for your safety. Obviously, you're still looking for traffic, things like that, but they should be knowing what all the airplanes are doing separation. I have a question. When do you learn how to understand other pilots talking and the radio tower talking? I was a 911 dispatcher and this is nothing like that talk. Yeah, so really learning the airplane is so new to people in the beginning that to throw radios in right away would just be an overwhelming experience. So that's something that you kind of have to read as an instructor is you know, the first day you're in an airplane is just, it's not doing maneuvers, it's nothing. It's just getting a feel for the airplane, kind of seeing what your instruments are doing. And, and this is different for every student, but once you can see that, you know, they got a feel for the airplane, they, they know what they're doing a little bit, that's kind of when you introduce radios. But they're obviously still in the airplane with you listening to what you're saying and what other airplanes are saying. So when you're on a frequency, certain airplanes have certain frequencies, so you should be on whatever frequency is, is near you, whatever airspace you're in, you want to call it that. So they're still listening and observing, um, but typically you, you introduce radios. I don't know, if, if students flying consistently, I'd say something like, you know, around 10 hours or so, you start working with them. And in the beginning is just talking them through it, you know, and having them do it. But you really start to learn when they, or they start to learn when they're doing the radios. You know, when they make a mistake, that's always a good learning point. If you remember the mistake you made, people get nervous about it because they don't like to, you know, embarrass themselves or you got all these people listening to you on the frequency, but that is really when you start to learn and understand the communications when you're actually doing it as opposed to the instructor doing it for you. Right. Wendy's got a question. Um, where's your favorite place that you each have flown? Say it, Ben. I think we both have the same favorite place. Uh, Luke and I did a did a trip this year. We were going to go all the way around the United States, but due to our poor financial decisions and uh, whatnot, it got too expensive. We were flying a Piper Arrow, which is a 200-horsepower retractable gear low-wing Um and so we went uh, kind of southeast, Nebraska, Colorado, and then our final destination was Sedona, Arizona. And I think that's probably both of our favorite places. It's uh, yeah. pretty nice in there. Yeah, I would have yeah. to say uh, Sedona for sure. The airport is on a plateau, and it's just surrounded by red rock. It's not necessarily the Grand Canyon, but it's just red rock all around you, and the airport's right on a plateau. It's it's quite cool. It's one of the more famous airports around the U.S. Yeah. Very nice. What How did long you get did it take? Did you, did you get to spend some time in Sedona while you were there? We camped at, uh, how, how would you say, I don't know, some some pretty unique campground. Yeah, we, we camped in Sedona. We stayed at one of my friend's places in Colorado, and then we camped in off a grass strip in Nebraska. Um, so we spent a little bit of time in those places, but a lot of the sightseeing is from the airplane. So, you know, while you're traveling is really, the, you know, the time to see things. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, st we stayed at a private airstrip in Nebraska and Luke and I were just going out to eat and we called the guy and we just 
found an airstrip. We were trying to find a place to sleep for the night. We didn't even, we didn't plan this thing much at all. We kind of just uh, started heading in the direction of Sedona. And uh, on the way back, we found a private airstrip in Nebraska that we wanted to land at. So Luke called the guy and he was super nice. He even left us a car at his airstrip and it was just for, for uh, agricultural airplanes and a couple of his cubs that he flies out of there. Yep. And super cool guy. I think that's one of the best things about aviation is everybody. Uh, everybody seems to be super nice. I think there's probably 1% of people that are really not nice and there's no in between between super nice and not, and really not nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paramotors. It's like 30, 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is one of the cool things, you know, without, you know, we just talked to this guy on the phone and he, he left us, you know, a car, um, you know, you, we're, we're two younger people to just leave us a car is kind of something, I don't want to say risky, but not many people do that. So that's one of the cool things about aviation is if you're an instructor, you hold a private pilot license, you know, you're kind of, I don't want to say held to a higher responsibility, but usually that respect or trust kind of is there. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm sure it's the same thing in, in paramotors. The community is really cool. You kind of, it's, kind of that same interest you know as far as like you guys like that little bit of adventure thrill seeker so those type of personalities you know tend to mix well together so it is a really nice community community to, to be a part of yeah it's like wherever you go you there's some another aviator there exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah they Justin, say sorry oh, go ahead go ahead look yeah they say you you put pilots you know in a room together and you'll talk about you know, airplanes all day or airplanes and motorcycles. Like they all have the same interests, you know? Yeah. It's like, you do drugs too. Oh, <laughs> pretty much. So Justin wants to know, do you guys use for flight or something different when you're flying? Yeah. Oh, there goes Ben again. Um, yeah. For flight is, so you can only get it on Apple products. Um, just because there's kind of a big safety measure for flight gives out so much information. It's, it's kind of absurd. So yeah, most professional pilots, most people in aviation are using for flight, you know, back in the day, it was pulling out a map using a sectional plotting your route, that sort of thing. Um, but with GPS and, you know, the availability to have, you know, an EFB, they call it an electronic flight bag referring to an iPad. Most people are now using for flight for, it has, you know, airport diagrams on it, has towers, things like that. It, it has an absurd amount of information. And Ben knows a little bit about ForeFlight more than I do. Just a little bit of a nerd with, with ForeFlight for sure. But it gives you hazard advisories as far as terrain goes. So that's something you're definitely using out when you're flying over the Rockies, things like that, looking at terrain, checking weather. It's kind of just a one-stop shop for everything, you know, you need in aviation. So it is, it is really nice to have. The other thing is Garmin Pilot, but... I'd say for flight, I got to say 90% of people are, are using for flight. Um, Wendy, Wendy, the Explorer wants to know if either one of you have ever wanted to fly in Alaska. Oh, absolutely. That is just a long flight. I don't know if I had the money, I don't know that I would ever leave an airplane. Like me and Ben would probably still be flying around the country if funds were not a thing and we would end up going everywhere. Um, <laughs> Yeah, flying in Alaska would be that'd be very cool. So I know long term Ben Ben's goals are you want to kind of grow your school, get more aircraft and just kind of grow that. Luke, what what's your long term like dreams and goals of what do you eventually want to do? Um if I had to say um I'd say Ben would say the same thing here um we always talked about getting our own aircraft and chartering our own aircraft. So renting out, you know, buying an airplane, getting an air carrier cert, cert, certificate, renting out our own airplane and making money that way. So flying together, cause we enjoy flying together so much. I'm sure you have people who you love going flying with. That's me and Ben. We just bond well, fly well together. Um, so we always wanted to buy an airplane together, but it's very hard to make money. Um, renting out airplanes because operating costs, insurance, hangar space, things like that is all so, so expensive that it would take one, a very big loan to get started, which we've spent enough money already. Um, and two, it, it would take something like 10 years to start really trying to turn a profit on it. So 
it'd be a hard goal for sure, but down the road, it would be, it'd be very nice to own your own company and fly your own airplanes would be, would be very cool. But, uh, the airline route really doesn't seem bad. If you talk to anyone who's gotten, you know, in the airlines at 23, the age you can get into it, they're making very good salary or hourly rate, I should say, which obviously equivalates to a good salary. And when you get that seniority up, you're working, you know, 10 hours a month, you know, you're gone for, for 10 days out of the month, maybe a week. And it's whatever, you know, whatever trips you're doing on the trips you wanted to go on, because you now have that seniority to bid on the trips you want to take. So I would rather fly the private jet stuff too, like Ben answered, but it's really hard to say no to some of the bonuses and perks of, of being at an airline right now. So that's something I go back and forth between and, and we'll just kind of see all I ever really asked for is to get to fly with people right now. I can't keep playing on that right now. But Okay. So Eric PPG wants to know what else you guys do besides fly. Well, um right now it's just it's work, work, work. Um, when I take time off, even for vacation, it's going to fly again. I enjoy it that much. Um, but I don't want to give the basic answer of just hanging out with friends, things like that. But yeah, just hanging out with friends. I do like traveling, preferably by airplane, but doing road trips, things like that. And I got, you know, at my age, I got a lot of friends in college. So going to go visit friends at college is, is something I like to try and do. And Ben, what about you? What else do I do besides fly? Yeah. Not, not much at all, honestly. I, I either fly or I study for uh, new airplanes or new ratings. Although, um, I don't really have any ratings that are pushing on me right now. So, I'm kind of I'm studying up on a couple airplanes that I could fly in the future. But uh, other than that, I uh, hang out with family as much as I can. But I'm usually at the airport like 8 to 11 p.m. every day. Wow. Yep. Man. Have you ever thought about jumping out of a plane? Absolutely, but there is a... Go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if I could. I don't... Um, really? Yeah. I don't think I could, no. <laughs> I'm with you, Ben. <laughs> it's one of those things I think you'd have to basically push me out the first time, and then I'd be jumping out doing 360s the next 12 times. It is. I'd agree. Me, yeah, pilots always say, why jump out of a perfectly good airplane? So <laughs> Exactly. I, I did it once, uh, what, six years ago, but it's because a coworker was dying of cancer. That was her bucket list item. So I was like, I got to do this. But that whole time was just anxiety and then focusing on instruction once jumping out. But then once I did the second jump, I was like, okay, this is something I actually want to do. Right. Get me out. And right. then be quiet because I want to enjoy my free fall. I'm not an <laughs> adrenaline junkie, but I was actually able to like live in the moment a little bit better. I've wondered, yeah. I've I've been in a skydiving tunnel, a wind tunnel before, and that was a ton of fun. But um, I think it's kind of like jumping off a bridge. I think it's the the, the initial stomach drop, kind of like when you pull zero G's. If you guys have ever done that, it's yeah, it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking, but. I think it's kind of Luke and I had to do spin training. If you guys know what that is to get our flight instructor licenses. And, um, I was probably a little bit more nervous than Luke, but I, I did one and then I wanted to keep doing them. So it's one of those things I think. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like roller coaster rides, anything like that. I wouldn't call myself a complete adrenaline junkie either. And like you said before, what I think, what I think, I'm not sure, but I think it's the control aspect for me. You know, I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of heights either, but being in control, you know, and especially the longer you do it, you, you tend to learn the safer it is. Like most general aviation accidents, when you look into it, you study through it or you read the report on it, 80% of, you know, airplane accidents are pilot error. Not to say that we're not subject to it, but a lot of people in general aviation will fly once a month or they go a long time without flying. Being a pilot is not exactly just like jumping in a car after you take a long time off. So you really got to, you know, keep that skill, keep, keep progressing and, and putting yourself in situations where you're kind of forced to learn or uncomfortable situations, not unsafe, but uncomfortable situations where you're always a pilot. Yeah. Weezy, what are you laughing at over there? 
What are you doing, Wheezy? That was a sneeze. That was a sneezy sneeze. Sneezy Wheezy. <laughs> Eric, All right. Do you want to do a spinny wheel, Jade? Um, do do this last question. Okay. Eric PPG or uh, Eric PPG oh, Lear wants to know. He is do you drunk. want to become a one A? I don't know what that is, but do you an A is uh I think what he's referring to is type of mechanic. So a mechanic for airplanes okay. is an A and P airframe and power plant. Eventually, oh. after you're an A and P for a while, you can get your IA, which is I say oh I as high as you can get as a mechanic to my knowledge. Um I was gonna do an apprenticeship up in Rhinelander um because I didn't think I'd get as many students up there. Um but being a pilot is definitely my aspiration, not necessarily a mechanic. Granted, it's good knowledge, makes you a better flight instructor, you know, if you know the airplane um, more. But just being as busy as I am, that's something I've kind of decided not to do. But airplanes do interest me a lot, how things work, you know. So being an A&P would be cool, but it's definitely not a priority at the moment. Okay. Ben, what about you? I would like to say A&P. First, that's your airman power plant plus to do a list of uh, maintenance and work on airplanes. Um, I think after, I think I'll be at airplanes. Could you guys copy that? <laughs> no. Not exactly, no. <laughs> okay. We're losing you, Ben. Yeah. Airport um, Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> uh, would you explain what a spin training is? Because uh, yeah, Wendy says that spin training is what NASA does <laughs> for the astronauts. But well, so I'm, spin I'm training is uh, like in the plane, the way the right. Plane yeah, so I know out. astronauts do spin training as far as like going in this chair and you just start getting you know spun around to realize what spatial disorientation is. A spin, as far as what you do to become an instructor, is I don't have a, an airplane with me, but when you stall an airplane, airplanes have left turning tendencies, um, at least propeller airplanes do. So they, they typically, if you stall an airplane, you're pitched really high and that nose could go over to one side and then you're stalled spinning nose down. You're kind of doing a 360 and why you spin because one wing is stalled more than the other. So you're spinning towards the ground and, and you practice that because as a CFI, a student can put you into a spin. You really shouldn't be getting into spins if, if you're on your game as a CFI. You really shouldn't let it happen. Most general aviation airplanes are not approved for spins. Most of the newer ones are, but the old carburetor engines typically aren't. Um, and you got to be in a certain weight and balance. So weight and balance is something to talk about as a pilot all the time. Can't be overweight. Can't have your weight too far forward, too far back. But yeah, spin is when you stall and then you're kind of doing three sixties, nose down to the ground, and then you learn how to recover from those. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, Steve, you ready? Yeah. What are we giving away? What you, isn't it your turn? No, I'm too lazy and I'm too cheap. What are you giving away? <laughs> we'll do. Uh, you see it? Oh, God dang. Yeah, you can see it. It's a I, I want to get high t-shirt. And it's uh, Northern Lights. Well, Paramount. yeah. Hmm. What size is it? This is a large. Extra medium? Large. Mm. And no, Travis, I'm not sipping on the moonshine. Yes, she is. <laughs> I'm sipping on water. And if there's something else somebody wants, I've got a bunch of other shirts here, too. I do have some shine in the fridge, though. Better go get it. <laughs> Williamsport. Oh, Justin. Congratulations, Justin. Congrats. Justin, do you want this shirt or Wendy? Can you? <laughs> what did Justin 
Oh, Wendy said, oh, cuss word. <laughs> Wendy, this is a kid's show. You need to hush your mouth. Justin said, awesome. <laughs> Good job, honey. Yes, she wants Eric, it. <laughs> Eric PPG Lear, do you have a different size shirt for Williamsport Windwalker? Wendy, so Wendy said, good job, honey. Yes, she wants it. <laughs> she'll make you whatever you want. Justin. She said she'll take it. Man, I think we should start giving away Wendy's like lip gloss. Some good stuff. You know what she calls that? Oh, wait, wait. We got to get Ben back. There's Ben. <laughs> what does she call it? Wendy, do you want to tell him what you call it? <laughs> oh, Justin says he wants the girls want to fly girls with shirt. <laughs> no, no, no. One of the originals. <laughs> no, I don't have any more of those. <laughs> those are gone. <laughs> I hate you all. <laughs> Guys, don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, you can do one more for the sticker. One more. One more sticker. One more spinny wheel. Okay. Oh. Upside down. Oh, my goodness. There you go. With the mean bird. Spin of this nice. wheel is brought to you by Wheezy. She's drunk off the shine. Mm. <laughs> and sneezing. Got to watch out for those Mississippi women. <laughs> They'll bite you. Kelby says he'd like a number six at Wendy's. So what does Wendy call her uh, lip gloss? Steve's lip gloss. Lipstick. She does not. She does. Serious. Shane Wyman. I don't believe you. Shane Wyman. Congratulations, Shane. Shane, if you have this sticker already, um, just let me know and I'll dig in the bottom of the barrel and find you another one. Mm-hmm. Actually, mine are in the bottom of the barrel. Guys, I'll send you one of these too if you want. Great. Yeah, I take one. Absolutely. Yeah. They're scratches, and sniff. It smells like cheese curds. Yep. Cheese the curds. Next one might. <laughs> cheese curds from Sheboygan after Kellogg's. Kale be a yeah, you always know who's a who's a local when flying in Sheboygan because you start out radio calls and end with radio calls saying Sheboygan. So you already you know if it's a local or not for sure. <laughs> Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, they just like saying Sheboygan. Yeah, they say it a very specific way for sure. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Ben, what's the name of your business, your school? Uh, the name of my school is True North Flight School LLC. And then uh, I usually fly I usually fly under Lakeland Aviation because they're who rent the airplanes out. Um, and then I do a lot of private instruction as well on their own other people's airplanes. Okay. So if anybody is interested that's watching... Um, or watching later, and they want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you to get into flight school? Yeah, the easiest way is probably um, either call my personal number or call uh, Lakeland Aviation, the FBO here in Manaqua, and they'll forward you to, if you press uh, number one extension, it'll go right to my phone. So, Okay. Dang, you got your own and extension. They're good for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, are you jealous? Do you have your own extension? Oh, no, I definitely don't have my own extension. I'm not, I'm not that important. And they put you at one, though, too. That's impressive. I know. Yeah. I really want some extensions. Yeah, I want an extension. You <laughs> shave those extensions off before the wedding. Yes. Mm. Stop playing with them. <laughs> Usually me and Wheezy twirl our hair at the same time. I'll same be doing time. this, and then she'll yeah. be... No, I'm yeah. not doing it tonight. <laughs> We're a pretty professional outfit, if you can't tell. <laughs> so, Steve, Wendy said, oh, yes, Steve's lipstick. And you said, I don't believe. I don't believe. And she said, I do. Mm. What are we talking so, about? Wendy's lipstick. Stop. It's called Steve's lipstick? Yes, that's what she calls it. 
If oh he would have showed up in, if he would have shown up at Jersey Shore Airport, you would have known this. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I know. I missed. It. I'm not going to miss it next year. Yeah. Copay said he was not oh. even on the wheel. Yes, he is. I put him on the wheel. Oh, and, but Justin wants to know: Do you guys get a fish report up there too? <laughs> Ben, do you guys get a fishing report up at Lakeland on your local radio stations? Uh, I, yes. don't, I don't really listen to the radio radio oh. much. much so. oh, we had more fun with Justin giving us a fish report all the time. It was amazing when we so, were on vacation. Yep. Wendy and Williamsport um, and Deweese and her husband, Randy, stayed at our house um, <laughs> June and July-ish. And uh, <laughs> Justin was listening to our Tomahawk local radio station, and they give a fishing report, and he was pretty darn impressed by that. <laughs> and he could do the language, the loco, <laughs> the lingo. Oh, he was amazing. <laughs> the yacht air stuff. <laughs> he needs to log in and give us a little impression. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have like some time frames and goals that you want to meet? Like, cause you got into this, you spent a lot of money, acquired some debt. Do you feel like, Hey, in like five years, we can break out of this and we can purchase that 10 years. We'll just work our butt off, get into this mode. Like, have you kind of thought that far yet? Cause you guys have done like all this so young. Yeah. So my, I can't get my ATP, it's always called in aviation, your airline transport pilot license. So I can't get that till I'm 23. So I'm kind of right now in between the idea of either staying a flight instructor. Thankfully, I get paid okay as a flight instructor. A lot of instructors, it, it, it's a very you know big responsibility as a flight instructor. Um, and you really don't get prepped as, as well as you maybe should to become a CFI. Thankfully, we had a good instructor um, who was a master CFI. I forget all the requirements to become that, but he's been doing it for a long time. So he helped us out quite a bit because you, you just, you know, you can't buy experience, you know, so to go to someone with that experience was good. Um, so I'm kind of in between either staying, you know, as a flight instructor, um, but also getting to that 500 hour mark and 750 hour mark starts opening up jobs. You can maybe be a first officer in some smaller jets or some turboprop aircraft, whether that's a twin turboprop, single turboprop. So kind of looking at, you know, jumping into, you know, a bigger airplane as a first officer, just because pay is a little bit better. It kind of builds up your resume as far as what log books, log book entries you're putting in there. So jobs will ask for total time, your instrument time, cross country time, nighttime, you're logging all these different categories of things. So, you know, turboprop time is something that looks really good and multi-engine time looks good. So I'm starting to think about hopping into that world. And like, you know, like I was saying before, the schedules are a week on week off, something like that. So you could still instruct on the side and, and actually make some, some decent money that way. So that's something I'm starting to think about. Yeah. Like Luke said, um, I think instructing's a, a big liability for what most get paid. I think it depends on where you go. The pay can vary quite a bit, but um, uh, you know we have a lot of students, both Luke and I, that are kind of flying around on our certificates. And if anything happens to them, then uh, first people at the FAA contact is us. And same thing when we endorse like a flight review, which a pilot needs every two years. Then same thing, they get in an accident, comes back to us, or even they break a rule, it comes back to us. So it's a lot of liability, and I know a lot of flight instructors who are established in their careers um, and, you know, flying jets, and they won't fight instruct anymore because they don't want the liability of it, and they don't want to put their name in anybody else's logbook. Um, so that's when, you know, it comes into the play of giving the best training that you can and uh, and just ensuring safety is always number one. But I think in the future here, same thing as Luke, I'd like to – find a flying job that'll pay a little bit better and uh, continue to build the time like Luke was saying. And then I'd like to keep instructing as long as uh, I don't get any into any sketchy situations with students that worries me at all. But yeah. uh, it's easy. Things happen really fast when you're going fast in an airplane and it's easy to kind of, kind of get caught in stuff. And the second you take your guard down, something can kind of get screwed up if you're not really watching closely. So um 
but yeah, I think, I think the future would, I'd like, I'd like to buy a couple airplanes and, uh, and, and kind of start renting them out and start a decent flight school and find good instructors. Do you guys ever consider air force growing up just to kind of get into it and getting the equity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Air Force pilots, you have to have at least a bachelor's degree, um, which is something I coming out of high school. That's another reason I picked aviation you no longer need a college degree. I was not the guy who totally loved high school. So I didn't I wasn't dying to go to college to, you know, take gen eds, things like that. So that's one thing that, you know, kept me away. But Air Force pilots are kind of top notch you need very good scores all around it has nothing to do with aviation that's just to make it in you know to a program and and then they invest you know a few hundred thousand dollars into you so that contract is typically six years eight years something like that which being young you know you're still coming out under 30 and then once you get into the civilian side of things as a pilot you got that resume which looks great but the the bachelor's degree in that six to eight year commitment is kind of what what kept me away Okay. Yeah, I think for myself, probably thought about it for maybe two hours after watching Top Gun each time right. I watch it, and then <laughs> then I kind of move away from it. But um, yeah, like kind of like what Luke was saying, I think there's a lot of people that go into the Air Force and want to be pilots, but I think they pick a very few select, and I don't know exactly the process that, how that works. Um, I think I think it'd be a great training environment, and I know they do a good job teaching people. Um, and it's all obviously paid for, so that helps. It's probably the cheapest way to do it. Actually, it's for sure the cheapest way to do it. Um, but I I don't think it's it's very easy to be one of the few that go into the Air Force and actually get to be a pilot. Right. Interesting. So I, cool. I got one last question. How did you feel the first time you were taking a new? Uh, person up for ah Ben, dang, um, for a flight. Yeah, so one of the things in our CFI training, there's not a hour requirement to it. It's just getting comfortable flying from the right seat. So what? And, and we were doing most of these flights together. I'd be in the back seat, or Ben would be in the back seat. Our instructor at the time would be in the front. The one thing that I was always concerned about was when to take the controls because it's a fine line of safety on you know a student learns when they make mistakes that's definitely the, the biggest learning point so students have to see what a bad landing looks like you know what a bad approach to landing looks like all those things so for me i was always concerned about the when to take the controls thing so that that's what scared me initially but very comfortable in the airplane now. You know, some days I got more time in the air than on the ground at this point. So I, I'm very, very familiar with the airplane, you know, down to, you know, you hear the engines, you know, RPMs, you don't even have to look at the gauge anymore, things like that. So now that I'm comfortable in the airplane, I'm, I'm really never too scared. The one thing I will say is single engine at night up where, you know, you guys live or, or Ben instructs is, Something that still freaks me out occasionally because your landing options are slim to none. Um, and if there's no moon, you, you really can't be a dang thing. So unless there's a car on a road, you know, and, and you always talk about emergencies and airplanes are the most reliable engines out there really, but it, it's definitely a little bit nerve wracking. And once a week, I'm definitely put in a situation where my heart rate gets elevated. I'll say that, but. It, it is my responsibility to, to know, you know, where I'm capable of recovering something, but still letting a student make a mistake. So that's something you still battle with, you know, every day kind of thinking, when do I take the controls, things like that. But now I'm a lot more comfortable with it as I got a little bit more experience with it. But they always say, as soon as you get comfortable with it and get complacent, that's when something happens. So, Right. And Ben, I don't know if you heard my question but I, what was it like for your first time taking somebody up as a cfi um yeah i think kind of similar to what luke said when to take the controls is a very fine line between safety and uh having a student learn because as you said they do learn the best when they make mistakes but it doesn't uh. <laughs> yeah. well at least he agreed with you 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> we'll let him finish here. <laughs> Hello, Ben. <laughs> hey. Yeah, my the airport Wi-Fi. We need an upgrade, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so you you agree with Luke on that? Okay. Um, and I don't think I mentioned. I'm going to put a link in the chat. Um, Ben, I don't know if you heard, but if you are interested in sticking around for a few minutes, if you can manage on your Wi-Fi, if anybody wants to join in in the after show, they're not being recorded on YouTube. They can come in and meet you real quick and say hi, but we're not going to keep it late because I know you guys um, are probably early risers also. So um if anybody doesn't have any other questions and Ben comes back, <laughs> um, uh, I will tell you that next week we have Sky Hiker Mike. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super excited. Oh, God. I love this guy. Let's get Ben back here. I got a here. video of him turtling the first time he met me. Oh, good. Now make sure you have that ready for next week. He is not going to like that. You guys have been very interesting. Thank you all yeah, so much. You, absolutely. Thank you. Much. Show. Sorry, Ben, that you've been having difficulties with Wi-Fi. So if you're willing to stick around, Ben, um, maybe somebody will come in and want to say hi and ask you a question on their own. So, But we won't keep it too late. So, oh, and next week we will okay, have a married Steve. Yeah, we will have a married Steve. Yeah, get this, Luke and Ben. There's some girl that wants to marry this beard. I think she's <laughs> drunk 24 7. Wrong with her. Yeah, did you drug her when you proposed or what? Like, I've worked very hard never to attract another woman in my life, and I screwed what it up. What did you do to Angie? Why? She's not even around. What's up? Where, where is Angie? She's getting her hair done for the wedding. She's getting oh. her hair dyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, God. What color? I should have got my beard done. <laughs> what color is her hair going to be? I don't know. Oh. Put back in. <laughs> Are you going to do it live? No. Oh, oh boy. Ben's I'm on a very TV. private guy. I don't video or share things on the internet. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I guess until then. If we don't see you on there, we'll see you in there. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, Bye, everybody. everybody. <laughs> see you next week. I will fight. I will fight for you. I always do until my heart is black and blue and I will stay I will stay blue we'll make it to the other side like lovers do I'll reach my hands out in the dark and wait for yours to until I can
I always do until my heart is black and blue. 